Welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Great Monday to you and yours. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house as well. If you're watching on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe. Get that sucker passed around. Others can find it. Like-minded folks celebrating a 4-0 start to the season. That's always a good thing. And then also... If you're listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, appreciate you. We'll be uh, updating you as the week goes along, even some today as we get more news regarding the possibility of the uh, pending storm and its effects on Saturday's game against Wake Forest, which now takes on uh, greater meaning given that uh, both teams are ranked. And really, when you look at this Florida State team, they just keep getting better and better and better. And that's where I want to start. That's where I want to celebrate. How are you, brother? Man, I'm 4-0. How about you? 4-0. 4-0. From 0-4 to 4-0. Yeah, is the headline there on uh, Warchant.com, Corey's story there, about the t- turnaround. And, of course, we are talking about it every day this past week. Um, we thought this would be a, a win. We thought this would be a fairly, fairly comfortable win. But they did something different in the win. They did something different in the win than what we expected. And that was they played at a really high emotional level. The intensity was there from the opening kick, obviously. Benson makes a difference back there. And that kid continues to come on and look more and more comfortable and runs with the authority. We saw him run run with in practice as he gets more game ready. And, uh, man, that's just such a nice three-headed monster they have in the backfield right now it's 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 a very talented running back room so I was just getting home as the ball was kicked off and uh, <laughs> and it was a great call it was well done by the Seminole Radio Network because uh, Cole Hain had, had let out there that in terms of kickoff coverage Boston College was rated 118th coming into the game so my eyes it was like that Vince like, McMahon well, the Vince McMahon and we were like huh? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's, then he says uh, Trey Benson and Micah Pittman back to receive the kick and then my eyes went ooh ooh Okay, that's better. I like that. Already better there. Yep. And then the call was outstanding. So I waited in my driveway for him to actually make it across the threshold and score the touchdown. And then I watched the game from there. But what a great way to start. I was yelling and screaming in celebration in my my car in my driveway. So that atmosphere at that stadium was so reminiscent of glorious days, 2013, 2014. You go back through... Uh, the the many great times that I've had at Doe Campbell Stadium. We all have games that we remember that we circle and we just talk about atmospheres. Because it's been a minute <laughs> since Florida State had uh, that kind of an atmosphere, um, to see it again, to feel it again, to hear it again, to watch it, to see the uh, the joy on people's faces, that is, it's so cool to watch. Big picture. Just You take a step back. And you think big picture, and it's easier to do in a game that is less intense. Meaning, I didn't think Boston College could beat us. So I didn't go thinking OBC could beat us. When you're worried about what the other team is, you have less time to focus on all that other stuff on the periphery. You might note the energy's great. You might note it's intense and loud and all those things. But you don't have time to take a step back and appreciate anything because every play feels like life or death if the game is in in hand. You know, in uh, on the line, I mean, um, not in hand. And, and so because Florida State got off to such a great start, this quickly became a party. This quickly became a celebration of the beginning of something very special. 
Now, I don't know how the rest of the season's going to go, but I know that Florida State's fan base believes in Mike Norvell and believes that this program is moving in the right direction. And it was solidified by the start to this year. The 4-0 start gave people a real glimpse of the work that they've put in to flip a locker room, to flip a culture, to change the floor in terms of talent. Florida State's upside now, and everything else that great programs have when, when they're on the way up, seems to be self-evident. It's there for others to see. You know now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they're not national championship good yet, but they're pretty good, and they could be very good very soon. And that's why you'll see not only those crowds sell out that stadium from here on out, but also just this that burgeoning, it's about to happen, I want to be here, I want to be along for the ride, I want to celebrate with these guys who have worked so hard and these coaches who have put so much time in, I want to be part of this rise to greatness. We did it not all that long ago with Jimbo. I think we're on the cusp of doing it again right now with Mike Norvell, and that's very exciting. Yeah, the atmosphere for this game is unique because there aren't many BC fans that travel. So mm-hmm. when it's a sellout, it is pretty much all Florida State. You know, if we sold out for Notre Dame last year, which apparently we didn't, or Miami or Florida. I brought this up. I, I, it's amazing. <laughs> I know. A huge percentage of the crowd in those games, though, is not for Florida State. In this instance, it's just pretty much all Knowles, which is really cool. And what I loved about this game, you used the right word. It's the attitude. Mm-hmm. It's the attitude. It's the passion. Because guess what? In truth, if you look at the first drive either way, there's some sloppy stuff from both the offense and the defense. Yeah, You're in a fourth and nine when you have the ball. But but what I love about what they decided to do was say, the hell no, not tonight. This is not going to be close. I know we've messed up. I know we've made some mistakes. I know we turned a guy loose in coverage. Or I know that this is a bad block in the back call, so now we're second and 12, and Jordan's in, in the end zone. Nope, we're going to pick up that fourth and nine. I'm going to roll out to the right. I'm going to hit a wide open receiver. We're going to go. We're going to go down 90 yards in four plays. We're going to score a touchdown. Yeah. Because it's over. We're coming for you. And that's what that 13 team had that I love. This is not nearly as talented a group as 2013 Florida State. Oh, God, no. But when the ball was kicked off, they were coming for you right away from the jump. And that's what this team has about them right now. They'll need it in their next three football games. Well, and I think I want to credit the crowd. Um, I think that atmosphere had a lot to do with it. You know, even if you're not as intensely focused as you'd like to be for a game, there's no chance to come out of that tunnel with that response and feel anything other than excited to play a football game and and not wanting to let that group down because they were there early and they were loud and they partied all day heading into that stadium. The view we had from Hotel Indigo gave evidence to that fact. You the could lots see, looked like it was 2013 all over again. I mean, when we surveyed that lot and the surrounding landscape, four hours before the game, we were all noting, holy hell, this is it, it, these people are here to say thank you. These people are here to say that LSU win meant something. That comeback win on the road with your backup quarterback showed me all the heart I need to see. I'm getting the family in the car, and we're going to celebrate this team because they fight the way I've wanted my teams to fight. And it helps that they're 3-0 and on the cusp of being ranked and a chance to go to 4-0. and That was an appreciative crowd, an excited crowd, a crowd that feels that this thing is on the verge of something really good. The question mark will be, how healthy can they stay this year? And how quickly can they achieve this very high goal, which we all have as Florida State fans, they do as players and coaches. That's what it is at Florida State. This isn't Wake. This is Florida State. You expect at some point to win 
championships. And we want to know, the second that we see a glimpse that we're good, how quickly can we get to the championships part of this? And now that's going to take some time. I'm not getting too far out ahead of myself. What I'm saying is, when you see evidence you got the right guy, and you see evidence that people are excited to play for him, and they're going to pay for the tickets to come see him play, and that we're now about to be a television draw, and that all of a sudden Florida State matters again, now you want to know, all right, what's it going to take? How quickly now can we get the kinds of players and the depth of players that we need in order to compete to win the conference again and then get into the college football playoff again, etc.? But if you keep winning, a lot of this takes care of itself. You're seeing it in recruiting already. We just talked about what happened for Florida State last week. You get two big-time players saying yes to the program. Do they, if Florida State is sitting here like they were a year ago without a win? No, of course they don't. Of course they don't. Especially not a kid like Hakeem Williams who could go anywhere he wants in the country. So winning games takes care of a lot of these questions. Now you wonder, as you look around, how many more of these wins can you garner? Well, Miami was at home this weekend in front of about 150 people getting their ass stomped by Middle Tennessee State. Not a good look. Not a good look as they have to bench their starting quarterback who they thought might get drafted in the first round this year and be an elite player that was a fringe Heisman candidate, some said. Oops. Again, not a good look in front of nobody with an offense that sputters and a quarterback that got benched. Terrible atmosphere. Their own quarterback told you that this past week on Barstool. That's a terrible place to play. I don't want to be here. I want to go on the road and play my games because this is ass. All of this is ass. He didn't say it, but he said it. He told it to you. Florida, not a great start to the season. Probably should have lost to South Florida. Did garner the one win against Utah. I would say this. We'll see what Florida is. I revel in the loss just like everybody else. It's wonderful. They lose to Tennessee. Tennessee breaks a five-game losing streak to the Gators. They needed that more than Florida needed that. But I'll take that loss for Florida and celebrate the shot in Floyd like we all do. One problem. Anthony Richardson remembered he could play football again and looks healthy and went nuts against a bad Tennessee defense. So I don't know what Florida is. I know they lost this weekend, and that's a good thing. Hopefully they'll stockpile some more of those, and things will just continue to come up roses for Florida State, which is one of the things, again, that I want to circle back to. If you find a way to win this game, and we don't know, I have to admit, there's a bit of a a damper on all of this, and it's nothing we can control. It, it is the weather. It is this time of year, and we don't know what's going to happen. It's very frustrating because if that was not out there lurking, and I'm not, this isn't a scare tactic, we all have to pay attention to a potential damaging storm. So we need to know what we're doing and what we're not doing and where we're going and where we're not going, all those things, right? But if that wasn't there looming large, the buildup to this game, against Wake Forest, two ranked teams and two electrifying quarterbacks, the best two quarterbacks in the league, along with May from North Carolina. That, that, that this, is, this would be must-see television for many people who just love college football, not necessarily Florida State or Wake Forest, just people who love to see good quarterback play and big-time offenses lighten it up. But we don't know. Is it going to be played in the monsoon? Are they going to move the game time? They can play the game. We, we, we just don't know. So that is the only downer today on a Monday after a big win to get to 4-0. Florida State has a lot of momentum. They've got a lot of kids that, you know, kind of in many ways flashed for the first time this year in this past game. They played so many people. And they were able to do things that really elite programs get a chance to do more often than others. And that is develop players in a game-like situation because you've taken care of business. Florida State doesn't usually have the opportunity 
to allow certain guys to play in certain situations because the game is tight and you need your starters out there and you're not sure you're going to win the game. That game was such an ass-kicking so quick. I mean, we're not even 10 minutes into the game. It's a three-touchdown lead for Florida State. This game is over. Boston College's offense, we could have left them out there for another eight quarters, and they weren't going to get to the 34 or 40, whatever, Florida State was on their way to scoring. And you knew that. So you were able to play a lot of guys, and you were able to rest some other guys, and you were able to get more people in the mix. And great programs get to do that. And then that expedites and accelerates the process, the learning curve for some of the other players. Yeah, it was a fun watch-along. I joined at halftime because you come in and you're just on cruise control. Like, I'm thinking to myself, all right, what larger issues can Dominic Robinson and I talk about this half? Because it's, it's not going to be live or die on every play like we did for Louisville, like we mm-hmm, did mm-hmm. for LSU, especially in that fourth quarter with LSU. It was a completely different experience, and what I found myself doing was telling the viewers all of the young players that are on the field. Like, oh, there's Omar Graham. Yep. Oh, take a look at that. Sam mm-hmm. McCall is now on the field, everybody, on offense. Rodney Hill's in. Yep. Here's your offensive line left to right. Julian Armella is in there, folks, at left tackle. Yeah, it's These, a fun exercise. Hey, it is. It is. It's a nice place to be. I hope we're doing it again for Wake Forest whenever that game is played. Z-Chan, my man, saw you this weekend. It was a pleasure. They're on the roof of Hotel Indigo. Many of you stopped by. Z-Chan was one of them. We always appreciate it. Woo! Good to shake your hand, sir. Thanks again, as always, for the support you show, the Jeff Cameron Show, and all the platforms here on Warchant.com. Jeff and Tom, how much of an impact does playing the primetime game have on recruiting Go Knowles? I don't know. Uh, I can't. I don't know that I can quantify that specifically. I don't even know if Michael Langston can. It's kind of hard to know that. Um, it was just Boston College who had one win over Maine. Um, but but I would say that obviously the atmosphere has a lot to do with influencing recruits. If you are a recruit and you dismiss the opponent, that's fine. But you can't dismiss the atmosphere can't dismiss 80,000 strong going nuts from the start of the game to the end of the game. And if you're a recruit considering Florida State or, say, Miami, you would have to look at those two very different atmospheres and realize that your college experience would be very different um, if you chose to go to a, a, a lesser school like Miami. Yeah, if you visited physically the stadium this weekend, then it had a huge impact. Yeah. Because you see what's possible. That's what I mean. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're, I think I assume he means and, the folks that were in attendance. But but even if you weren't, the way it laid out, you're lucky this weekend in terms of the order of events. You know, opening act versus main event, and the two opening acts were Miami and Florida, and they're both flops. So now you say, man, over two. Is the state of Florida just bad at football? No, 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 it's not. no, no. We're pretty no, good no. at it. We're pretty good at football. Up at the Capitol, they're doing pretty good, and so you get to see bad followed by good. That's the best part of the presentation if you're at home, but if you're physically on campus and you were around the stadium all day long, that's going to leave a huge mark. It doesn't matter who you're playing. That's big. That's huge. Pappy came back around and donated for our discussion last week, and I had mentioned that I thought that Anthony Richardson was hurt because he didn't look anything like the player we saw him look like against Utah. He acknowledges that it isn't much, but it's honest work. Oh, man, it's it's plenty. It's plenty. It's a, it's a, it's Whoa! you owning up and coming back and having a conversation, brother. That's a, a give and take. Thank you. Credit where it's due, Jeff. Does, it does seem AR was hurt. He can indeed throw an ounce. Yeah, he can. He can throw. Let's let's hope that um, some things go uh, awry uh, throughout the course of the season for UF. If he gets better and better as he looked in that game against Tennessee, then we got a lot on our hands come that final game against Florida. I have a feeling I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that it's just going to be on, on any given Saturday. 
He could be the good one or the bad one, and that's what you have to brace for if you're a Florida fan. Well, the good one's really good when he's good. I mean, he's he's like, ooh, that's a problem because he's a monster physically, and then he does have a good arm. It's not always accurate. The good thing for Florida State is they'll be more than prepared with the quarterbacks we're seeing this season. <laughs> My God, you got uh, Hartman and Leary and DJ, and we'll see what Miami's quarterback situation is in November. But even Garrett Schrader, in his own way, could help you prepare for AR. That's true. That's true. We, listen, the, the schedule only gets a lot more difficult from here. And what we now have to understand is the bumps are coming. The bumps in the road are happening. The smooth sailing's over. We got we, we passed these initial tests. We found ways to win a couple of really close games. We blew somebody out in the ACC for the first time in a long time. It feels good. And on a Monday after a big win like that, when your two rivals lose in the state as well, it's a great feeling, and you should celebrate that and bathe yourself in the joy following an event like that that, that was the uh, result of hard work and, and you know this team reaching their expectations uh, and potential in a game like they did. But at the same time, and we know the transitive property does not work in college football. I'll give you a good example that has nothing to do with Florida State. Adrian Martinez, the great Adrian Martinez at Kansas State, Goes on the road to Norman, Oklahoma, and has a game for the ages and beats Oklahoma. Obviously, that frustrates me. I like Oklahoma. I hate to see it. Yeah, the week before, they scored 10 points against Tulane and got beat at home by Tulane. What are we doing? I mean, you just don't. It's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, If you look at um, (laughs) Middle Tennessee State's first opponent of the season. Yeah, James Madison beat them 44-7. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Middle Tennessee State lost to James Madison this season Mm -hmm. 44-7. Not a competitive football game, Tom. No, it wasn't. But it did not in any way disrupt their focus on their way down to Miami to hammer that ass in embarrassing fashion. Domination. Miami really wasn't all that competitive in the football game. Certainly not defensively. Mm, something to something to behold right there. And it's a good thing for us to be able to celebrate today. It is it is something we should bring up repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of the state of Tennessee today. Mm, I'll tell you what, we all are. I watched that game and when I went back to watch it again Sunday morning. Yeah, the old rewatch? Yeah, the, the little rewatch to Middle Tennessee over over Miami. I uh, I couldn't help but like watch the big plays over and over and over again. The 99-yard touchdown pass, all the all the plays, just something about the the way they were executed. Tom could have been just great football execution. Did they really? Or perhaps, have a, perhaps it was just the opponent. They had a 90-plus yeah, yard touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, they got a stop on the Canes uh, down on the goal line, and then they turned around through a bomb for a touchdown. Oh my. Yeah, that's a big get you some. That's a 14-point swing. I that's think. a suck it. That is a yeah. All of it was glorious. All of it was glorious. Georgia Tech has fired their coach. He was the second to be told, have a good day. Also fired their athletic director. Oh, third? Yeah, Herm. Scott Frost. Herm doesn't count. I knew Scott Frost. Herm doesn't count. He's not a real football coach, and he hadn't been in years. But that was also just an experiment and a joke all along. Um, But, yeah, you're right. It it technically Well, I'm grateful for that joke. It yielded us 14. Johnny Wilson is here because of that experiment. Yeah, um... What he said he was lost in the shuffle at Arizona State. Johnny Wilson said that he didn't feel like that they even knew he was really on the team. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've tuned into a couple of Arizona State games. It's not like they're just overflowing with greatness. Like <laughs> they looked at that guy and went, "Hmm." 
Now, listen, I'll grant you, even if he dropped the ball, which he did a lot of when we first saw him, you still would be intrigued, as I was, by yeah. six foot seven. Let's just see what we can do. He likes the sport, too. Yeah. That matters. You know, you know how I know that? He blocks. That means he likes the sport. So we can work on the other stuff. So the joke about Herm was that he ignored all of the rules, just so you know where I was coming from. Uh, Herm decided, go read the article out in Arizona about the NCAA rules, and I'll grant you this might have been uh, an approach that you could be aggressive with given the NCAA. Herm didn't really care to learn the rules of the NCAA, that according to the people at Arizona State and subsequently the NCAA. So if you're just going to take a job and ignore everything about what you have to do, the parameters by which you need to work, then, yeah, I'm not counting you. You're, just, you're destined to be fired. You're destined to fail, and that's what happened. Like, those articles about him just ignoring everything under the sun, both from a university standpoint and the NCAA, well, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. I was also surprised that uh, that didn't come out in the wash before when you were doing interviews for the job. I mean, you ask guys questions about a about a plan. Anyhow, so I want to follow up because the answer to that in the chat is why. Um, so Collins is fired. Back to the original point. And that was always going to happen. What I find interesting, he finishes 7-19 and 19 in the ACC. That'll hurt your feelings. 10-28 and 28 overall. That, too, will hurt your feelings. I did not realize just what financial depths of despair Georgia Tech is in. That is not something I would have known. But you read the article today that Adam Rittenberg wrote about Georgia Tech's firing uh, of Jeff Collins, and you see that I, you wonder who they're going to be able to bring in. It's not a great job, first of all, in the world of football or the world of the ACC. But, man, I mean, think think about if you're, if you're any of these candidates, one of them is Deion Sanders, by the way, uh, allegedly a top – uh, of top 10 candidate that uh, people have thrown out there along with Bill O'Brien, Todd Munkin. Oh, um, Bill O'Brien. He's on the list. Really? Uh, Troy Calhoun, um, Thomas Brown, uh, Josh Gaddis, there are others. Point would be... Josh Gaddis. That's George Tech, man. I know. But the point would be... I'd go Munkin or Dion for sure there. If you can get Dion and, and in look, it, man, bring yeah. it all with him. Bring all that stuff. You want more attention you, for your program, yeah. and you don't have a ton of money. And he'll inflow, He'll use his own money to make it happen. That, to me, is the efficient hire to make, if you're them. If you don't have coin, he can bring you all the hype you need. It's just, And, and he'll also infuse his own money from Barstool or wherever for an NIL fund. It, it would be a wise move. I think if you're Georgia Tech, you're not wrong about that. That desperate times, desperate measures, extreme measures, you could do it. He solves a huge problem Well, he's a hype you. machine, yeah. and, and, and right. Um, you you could get that. Uh, you could get him to Georgia Tech. The name alone would make Georgia Tech a constant conversation. You know that he knows how to play the hype game, um, and they need something to shake up the image of Georgia Tech right. big time. And, and the Atlanta no connections from his professional right. career. I mean, it's that's a home run. Yeah. Now again, you wonder if you're Dion and you're holding out for a job for a high profile job. A, can you really win at Georgia Tech? The academic standards are extreme. That would probably be part of the negotiation. That, that's a tough one, right? Yeah, yeah. The other part of it is you're in Georgia, and Georgia is always going to rule Georgia, not Georgia Tech, when it comes to recruiting. The other aspect of it is they're broke. So, I mean, reading the, the academic, uh, not academic, excuse me, the, the financial uh, issues at Georgia Tech is, is somewhat shocking when you read that. So, broke, high academic standards, second fiddle in your own state, 
he may want to hold out for something better. Just saying, if you're him. He may decide, yeah, that's, thanks, but uh, But no. that's where they should go shop immediately. Yeah, I think they probably they probably will. It, 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 well, it's an extreme shakeup. You're right. Chef Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply all right really quickly i'll get you a statement from michael alford Florida State's athletic director, and I imagine this will be one of many forthcoming over the next uh, 48 hours or so, 72 hours or so. Um, Not much to report here, Michael Alford, stating, quote, nothing has changed right now in terms of the 3.30 p.m. kickoff for our football game with Wake Forest on Saturday. We are closely monitoring the projections regarding the hurricane and will be in constant contact with both local and state officials, as well as the administration at Wake Forest, and the ACC. As always, the safety of the student-athletes, game staff, and fans will be our top priority. You know, that is the problem when you when you have a, a storm developing and still days away from impacting North Florida is you have to make decisions well in advance regarding game change in terms of time. If you move it to a later hour or even – you know, we've seen everything from games being played a day early to two days later. To I mean, we've seen this in college football before, where you got to get out in front of it. And sometimes you're making decisions, obviously, with the best information you have available to you at that time. But things change with storms all the time, rather rapidly, to the point where they have a million models for that very reason. They tell you, well, it could do this, could do that, could do this. Looks like it's going to be this. But then again, if this happens and this happens. So the problem is... It may not end up affecting us all that much, knock on wood that it doesn't. I don't want any community to be affected by a storm, whether it's here or anywhere else. We, we know that. But you start having to say, well, by Wednesday, we got to make a decision. Well, by Wednesday, we may not know much about how it's going to directly impact right. Tallahassee. We'll know that it's impacting Tampa or St. Pete or those surrounding areas with a lot of rain. It seems we definitely know that, right? But we don't necessarily know what it will do right after that, but yet a decision will have to be made because people are traveling, you've got Correct. TV crews and everything else. Yeah, the implications of it, you have to have a deadline. And you know that you have to weigh the risk and the real possibility that on Saturday at 3.30, everything's fine here and there is no football game because you had to make a, cha- you had to make a choice at a certain point. To me, no meteorology background whatsoever, but you know what, either. buddy? I've lived in the state of Florida for 30 years of my life, so I've seen a thing or two with hurricanes. And you got to wait till it comes off of Cuba to see how it interacts with the land and how it reforms. Right. And that's tomorrow-ish, late tomorrow night into Wednesday. And at that point, you probably are on the clock for 12 or 24 hours to make the best decision with the facts that you have in front of you. So I'm sure they have a plan for every iteration of where this storm goes. 
and they just have to have a deadline and stick to it. The thing that you got to be careful of when you're an athletic director or a university president is you don't want to speak too much, but you don't want to speak too little. There's a fine yeah, line of updating correct. people. Yeah, people want to know. Yeah. Uh, they usually err on the side of extreme caution. So a lot of people, and I hear people say this all the time, like, what? what we're, stop, we're shutting down school on Tuesday? Why? They err on ex the side of extreme caution for a lot of reasons. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I've been told that it's likely Florida State University, Florida A&M University, TCC, and maybe the schools in the county, public and private both, will shut down for the bulk of this week and not have school. Yeah. They've now, got a press conference in 25 minutes, does Leon County, for the so local citizens. We're going to have to update yeah. you on that. My wife works in the school system, and we were kind of talking about this early this morning. She's like, I'm not going to be surprised if they shut it down. They just always err on the side of extreme caution. And like, Even though you and I know that in all likelihood there's no weather uh, event occurring in Tallahassee tomorrow, why would kids miss school tomorrow? But they might very well shut it down. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, for me, as a homeowner now, my property has trees everywhere. So <laughs> I, I will err on the side of I'm getting out of here so you know nothing falls on us and kills us. Right. Um, but we don't have to make that call because I'm not a school system nor am I a university yeah. until, you know, Thursday? Wednesday, Thursday? You just don't want to be stuck in traffic on the highways getting out of here. So that's the judgment call you've got to make throughout the state. And to all of you on Warchant TV and, and on the podcast that are listening in the Tampa area or Fort Myers or anywhere in the southern part of the state, I mean, good we're luck. all in this together, and yeah, we wish luck. everybody the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've, we've obviously, you and I both, being from down there, have a ton of friends and family there. Yeah. So, If they say get out and you're in an evacuation zone, don't be proud. Go. Leave. Jamie Chadwell is also mentioned as a possibility at that Georgia Tech job. The Coastal Carolina coach, he's 45 years old. When you take a program like that and have success the way that he has and currently winning a lot of games, um, then you probably need to use that as your stepping stone to get out and get a Power 5 job. Problem is, this is just not a desirable job. That Georgia Tech job is just not a good job. Um, Any time that I'm about to be a head coach in a Power 5 conference for the first time, and I sit down across from somebody and they're describing in whatever way possible how they're going to get out from under financial difficulties, <laughs> uh, sir, I don't know, man. I'm not going to be hamstrung in the era of NIL. Correct. Uh, and, no, man. And moreover, this is a realignment period in college football history. Right. And so what is your plan and where are you going to land? Because am I going to take a Power 5 job with you just in time for you not to be a part of the big picture? And if that's the case, then no, I'll wait. Maybe you'll be open again for another hiring in two years because uh, you're in trouble. But I'll wait those two years because I want to see how this. I want to see how it, all, all, see it all settles. Well, I'll tell you how it's settled on my Redemption Thursday picks. Worst beating I've ever taken. Mm, really? Eight and two a week ago. I think I, I don't. Have, I think I went one and nine in Redemption Thursday. Really? I think so. Yeah. Oh my! I'll have to pull up here during the break what uh, the email. I think I, I think I went one and nine. It happens. It happens. It's all right. It's a long year. I had moved above 500 last week with that stellar effort, and then now I will obviously be below 500. We're gonna have to get back on track this week. It's a tough week. It's a tough week. Now, luckily, I didn't bet all those in my personal life. Just some. Evened out in my personal life. Man, you know, when the NFL and Vegas show you a weird line, take take the suggestion. Colts plus five and a half, right? I mean, wow. We Unbelievable. Talked, it, was, it was funny. We talked about it. That was one of the games I picked. I almost did it just because I was like, no, no, the Colts. Come on. We've seen the Colts. 
And then as that game was playing out, I know Director Matthew had a tough break there that you don't want to talk about. I know that was that may have been. Ooh, I can't wait to hear this story. That may have the been break. the the final piece to the puzzle of a profitable parlay. Oh no! Mm. Was it the the Niners? No, that Colts Chiefs game. Oh, Colts Chiefs yeah. game. Okay. I took the Broncos in my real life uh, just because I thought that line was weird, and I was like, oh, just for fun. I mean, let's I'll, ride. Eleven to ten. Eleven. I know. <laughs> Uh, I may have played that game last night to make it interesting because I knew it was going to suck. It did suck. And uh, 0 for 2. So the NFL, forget it. Uh, every week. Forget it. Every week. Congratulations, Jacksonville. You're, like, officially a real team again. Good and, job, Brian Kelly. Way to pick up the game. And uh, there you go. also, by the way, I want to say about that, uh, my God, what a, what, a, what a scathing indictment that is for Urban Meyer. I mean... One change, and all of a sudden, it's a franchise with a pulse and moving in the right direction. Wish I'd never got asked to take pictures. <laughs> Stop the pictures. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, yeah, that was that was something to behold, man. Something and they got their uniforms right. It's a clean look. Good job, Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll never. I mean, those uniforms are never going to be great uniforms, but they finally got a better look. Yes, they it's do. Simple, simple as best. Yeah, simple as best. Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good Monday. It is a great Monday. It is a glorious Monday to be four and O ranked. Getting set to take on Wake Forest. And now our attention turns to that game. And you think about personnel, who Florida State's going to have available and who they're not going to have available. We know from watching Wake and Clemson that if you cannot collapse the mesh point there and dominate with your defensive line and wreak havoc, uh, then Sam Hartman is going to pick you apart and throw for 400 yards and six touchdowns and just do what he does. He's been a fantastic college football quarterback uh, for multiple years now. Uh, that offense is annoying and difficult to prepare for, but they run it exceptionally well. They seem to be able to mostly execute it to a very high degree most Saturdays. I mean, and I don't really care who they're playing. Wake scores points. They just do. And yeah, occasionally they'll face a matchup where there's a a defensive end that's a dominant player and he can help collapse the mesh point and then that changes what they can do and you can kind of take a stranglehold on that game. But man, Clemson's defensive front is very, very good. And in the second half of that football game, after Clemson got off to a great start at the beginning of the game, it's 14 to nothing. It looks like they're going to cruise. Uh, and it looks like they're going to do what they've always done against Wake Forest besides win the game, and that is hit Hartman a lot. But then some adjustments by Wake Forest. They get him a ton of time to throw the football, and he lit that secondary up, which I suppose is great news for us, but we don't play Clemson this week. We play Wake, and you're going to have to find a way to get to him, and that's why we're all holding our breath from the injury front. I mean, Briggs... It was good to see him show a pulse for the first time this year. Yep. I think it's really important that we get Verse back this week. I don't know if we will. I do know, just from looking at him walking around on the sidelines, that he's a guy that looks like he's on the verge of being able to play. That's uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know that. I don't know what they've told him about the injury, and they're never going to tell us. 
Ira said in warm-ups, too, he was jumping around a little bit. Yeah, he yeah. looked he looked good. I think he's excited to get back and play some football. Now, if you get him back, that is huge because he is a havoc wreaker. I mean, that's what he does, man. That guy will do that, and you need to find somebody who can with a degree of consistency. I don't know about Fabian Lovett. You know, I've had the sense from the beginning with that injury that this was a four- to five-week thing, that maybe we were looking at NC State or Clemson. I don't know that. They have not said that. That just That's the sense we got after that uh, injury against LSU. Whereas with Verse, I think he's, I mean, just seeing the two of them standing there next to each other, walking around, I mean, yeah. clearly Verse looks yeah. to be the healthier of the two, and that's observational. That's not us giving no, you secrets. We're, it's in the broadcast. Yeah, it's on the TV because uh, they went and talked about injuries a lot. They had to find things to talk about in the second half, too. And so, they're, you know, who's on the men, those types of things. And it just gets so exciting, buddy, because if they go two out of three in this stretch, let's just say they went two out of the next three. You're talking about a team that's on the brink of the top ten in the country. Whose resume would be stronger with one loss? At this point, LSU keeps looking pretty solid, and these would be three straight ranked opponents. If you win two out of three, you're talking about number 12 in the country, number 10 in the country, and still, if you win the right two, depending upon how the cards fall uh, later in the season, you are in line to be in the ACC championship game. You just need some tiebreaker luck. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, we talk about getting off to a 4-0 start and what it means. Well, that's what it means, what Tom's doing. It means that you have an opportunity to dream, to think big, to think that, oh my goodness, there's a chance, and you can apply whatever percentage you want based on this stretch of three games coming up that you think we're going to win, but... Uh, you know, what percentage of those three you think we're going to win. But I, I, I would just say, again, this is all possible because you took care of business and you won some games and then it, you capped it off with a blowout against an ACC team that's down, no doubt. That's a tough situation there at Boston College. But, you know, look, tough luck, man. Uh, we've dealt with a ton of injuries, too. I don't care. We took advantage of the opportunity and dominated. The thing I find interesting is, you know, the Louisville game notwithstanding, Adam Fuller has been very aggressive this year. Think he about the really game plan for game. LSU. He was aggressive. It was, we're putting our guys on islands against those receivers and we're going to bring pressure because mm -hmm. we know that it's going to affect Jaden Daniels. Now, he said you can't surprise Sam Hartman today in his press conference, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is right. But, yes, he was aggressive on Saturday against oh, Boston really? College, which yeah. is interesting because you wonder if uh, all we need is four guys. Their offensive line is beat to hell, so we could just rush he forward. He wasn't going to take a no, chance. No, he, he forced the issue. Mm -hmm. That's interesting now because in two high-profile games, and I know that BC is a beaten team, but this is high-profile now because you're 3-0 and trying to get to 4-0. He said, we are going to force the issue. Do you do it again against Wake Forest and their offense? Do you say, I'm going to force him well, to make decisions quicker? Well, already he's telling you no. <laughs> but Or he's putting something out there sure, that misdirect. Sure. I think he's right. You can't surprise Sam Hartman. But you can get to him. If you can get to him, it changes the whole game. I don't believe Wake is going to have great success defensively against Florida State's offense, and that's the other aspect of this. This is a home game. We hope it is similar to what we just saw against Boston College. Again, weather permitting, if people can get here, then if that's a packed house for a big game like this, who knows? I mean, you get out to a good start. You play downhill. I do think it's going to be something akin to a shootout. Uh, I do think that Florida State can can score in the 40s in this game against Wake Forest. I also think Wake's capable of maybe if we if we can't collapse the mesh point, Sam is going to have success, and he's got good receivers to throw to. He's patient. He's accurate. We just saw that. that. Yeah, that's the thing though. The longer he rides and decides, oh man, it's the worse you are off. Yeah, so, yeah. 
you know, you might give up a, a huge play or two, but let's just say I'm going to concede right now that Wake is scoring at minimum 24 to 27 points, right? That That's what I'm going to concede as a defensive coordinator. Oh, All I, right. I don't think there's any question. If they score that many because they hit a few uh, big plays because we have a coverage bust because we're forcing the issue, so what? They're still going to get to that number. I think he's going to make more mistakes if he has less time to decide. I just To me, that, that sounds like the right game plan, and it seems to fit Fuller's M.O., but it'll be really fascinating to see once we actually get into the game because maybe it doesn't work early on, he backs, off, he of backs it, off of it, or he plays soft, and then it's Hartman has all day, and then you say, all right, got to play more aggressive because I think that's kind of what happened with Louisville a little bit. They present you with a lot of challenges. Wake is um, well-coached, and that's a really good quarterback. Whenever you think about the combination of coaching quarterback – and you're able to say they're good in both areas, it's going to be a hard game. I mean, that's just the way it is. You look at you do the same thing in the NFL. If you're like, do you respect the coach? Do you like the quarterback? Well, it's going to be a tough game. <laughs> I mean, that's usually how that works. So I think that's true of Wake. You have to hope that you have a few more guys, bigger, stronger, faster, and then obviously with the opportunity offensively because Jordan Travis is the model of consistency right now. Um, you know, him, him and Sam Hartman have been brilliant. Uh, this could be a classic quarterback battle. It shapes up to be a classic quarterback battle. Uh, I think you could be looking at a game that in the fourth quarter, both teams are already right there on the cusp of, if not already in the 30s, and it's going to be one of those moments. You'll have that feeling. Uh, your heart's in your throat. Who has the ball last? Who's making the plays with the game on the line? It just feels that way as yeah. we sit here on a Monday, like it's going to be a little bit of who has the ball last. Yeah, the some of the throws that Jordan made again on Saturday. Like the two-minute drill in the oh, first yeah, half. Yeah. There's a throw over the middle he makes. I think it was to Pokey. Again, it's just it's become routine with him. Some of the throws that we go, oh my God, that is that throw plays on Saturday and on Sunday. Yeah, I I said last week when we were talking about him that the ultimate compliment I can give him is that when we preview games, I don't worry about him. I don't say things like, well, we need Jordan to play well this week, or he has to bounce back from this performance, or what. I don't I don't do any of that. Jordan's going to play well, period. Now, where are we on these other guys? That's the kind of conversation we have every week when we do the pregame show, every week on this show when we're talking about games. I don't ever bring up Jordan Travis other than to say good job because I trust implicitly that he's going to be prepared and play well. He is locked in. His pre-snap tells me everything I need to know. He always is prepared. So that's great coaching, and it's Hard work on his part, and he's taken this huge step forward from inside the pocket. His patience has taken a huge step forward. His accuracy in the middle of the field, all things I criticized in the past, have taken huge steps forward to the point where I don't think about it anymore. I just know if the throw's there, he's going to make it. We're good. He's going to make some throws that aren't even there. You're like, what the hell was that? Okay, that is an off-script dime on the run because he kept his eyes downfield. Um... Yeah, his 16-yard scramble was a great, great sign, too, about with, how he's feeling. With the knee and everything else, yep. I mean, it's yep. just silliness, Tom. He really has grown up right before our eyes and done everything you want a quarterback to do to get better, to, to elevate to a place where you now have to – I mean, if you're preparing for Jordan Travis right now, what a nightmare. I mean, you have to know that, you know, he handles the blitz just fine. If you, if you play back and play off of him, he's patient in a way that he wasn't before. He'll let something come open. He buys time. So even still, if you're playing safe with two over the top, he's going to buy time within the pocket. And that doesn't automatically mean a run. That's right. 
if you he come off of your guy to make a tackle, he'll, he'll throw it right over your head. Well, and he puts your linebackers in conflict because if you're going to sit around playing cover two all day, then the pressure on that linebacker is immense to cover a lot of ground. And if you don't have the player to do it, he can drop the ball in that soft spot of the zone. I mean, dude. And then flip it on the other side. This is a huge week for our linebackers, given what Wake Forest does. But you feel more equipped to have that fight than you have in years. We are more equipped for Hartman and the Wake Forest offense. It's, they're still going to make you look silly. They are. They're going to make everybody look silly. But they'd really make our linebacking core the last three or four seasons look ridiculous. Well, we couldn't cover anybody uh, for a while there at linebacker. Kalen DeLoach is playing at a high level right now. He had another great game, uh, looked healthy. I just hope Tatum Bethune can get back to being healthy. He's not healthy right now. He's playing through injury. It's obvious. You see signs of it occasionally. He's still better yeah. than the alternative. An He's, early hit yeah, right in the sore spot. Oh, yeah. I'm so sad for him because that, that hurts so bad, especially when you play the position he plays. You can't not use your shoulder. So it's frustrating. Hour 2, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.